It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And Peter Dowdle, the theirishgardener.com, uh, joining us on what is another sunny Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. A lovely sunny day, Trish. How are yeah, you? Yeah, it's great. It's, and it's it, this is lovely weather for gardening because it isn't too hot. No, this is very um, Irish summer, isn't it? This is like 18, 19 degrees. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. But we've already had some calls in from people saying that uh, window boxes are drying out. And they are, and, and hanging baskets. And I'm I'm getting a lot of queries from people about, you know, plants that they've just planted this summer and why are they shriveling up? And it is just a, a question of, of not getting water to them. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not... As you say, it's comfortable weather. It's not overly hot, but it's certainly dry, hot enough to dry out um, uh, window boxes, hanging baskets. Anything that, that's newly planted will dry out in this heat. But you don't have to... You, I mean, they are quite forgiving. I mean, a hanging basket, if it's dried out after a couple of days, it'll come back to life with a good soaking, won't it? Well, it, there is a fine line. When it comes to things like summer containers, hanging baskets, window boxes, etc., there's a couple of, of tips and the things that you could do at the start. Uh, in other words, by... Uh, uh, using a, a water-retaining gel, mixing that in with the compost, that will certainly help. Or using self-watering containers, they're containers which have a, a built-in water reservoir at the base of them, so they don't dry out as easily. But if you think that each window box or hanging basket could have as many as 15 plants mm. drawing moisture from the same compost area, then I'm afraid if it, if it if it dries out for a day or two, they may not be as forgiving oh, okay. as, as you might hope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So just wa- you've, you've got to remember the watering at this time of year. Okay. Let me go straight into questions. Mary is growing tomatoes in a grow bag. She has them in a timber shed with the door open. She's wondering, should she put them outside now? Also, what bit does she pick off? It's okay. It depends on. Uh, I kind of leave well alone. I don't really pick many of them off, except maybe when you have enough. Uh, fruits form. You want the energy to go into the fruits that have that are already there, and then maybe remove new, new flowers because you don't want more fruits forming. But you're a while off that yet, I'd say. Uh, th- and then any any leaves that look like they're diseased, or any leaves that look yellow, or anything like that, certainly remove them. But I would err on the side of of, le- of doing little, less is more, and let nature do its thing. And we had a call about this last week, a similar call, but. Um, in terms of moving them out, I would certainly be moving them outside now if they're a variety suitable for outdoors. They're not all outdoor varieties. Some are only for glass houses. But if they're an outdoor variety that you've been growing in a shed, I certainly would move them out now, yeah. Okay. Hi, Peter from John. Could you, mo- could you move a rhododendron at this time of year? You could, but it will die. Ah, okay. <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be glib about it, I'm sorry. Um, 
you don't move anything out of the ground at this time of the year because plants are obviously using every bit of their root system every day, every minute of every day at the moment. Absorb it. They absorb water and nutrients from the soil through the root hairs, Trish. Now, the root hairs are microscopic, so obviously we can't see them, but they're at the, the total extremities of the root system. Um, so whenever you lift something out of the ground, it's unavoidable that you're going to sever some of those extremities and leave some of the root hairs in the ground. And they then, that plant then can't get water and nutrient out of the ground. Now, as I say, every minute of every day at the moment, it's, it's using every single root hair. But during the winter, if you cause that damage or do that damage during the winter, the plant uh, has time to repair the damage and produce more and new root hairs before it, it actively needs. Uh, needs to, to draw water and nutrients up next spring. So the time to do it, move anything really, is kind of November to February. Okay, uh, hi. Oh, the, Michael and Bantry said, I heard on Guardian's World, the TV programme, where you can plant bulbs now. Is that not a bit early? Mm, where are we? It depends on what you're planting, what you're going. If you want to, to plant things like, you're, you're very early, your crocus, your, your, what do you call it, your um, snowdrops. Snowdrops are yeah. planted in the green. So they're, they're better off planted the earlier, the better, actually. You, you plant them nearly as early as February, March for next year. That's your snowdrop. Your June, your, your very early daffodils, maybe, you could plant... Or sorry, we're in July now, of course. No, so, yeah, you could plant most of them, actually. You could plant your, your daffodils. I would certainly hold off on things like tulip. They'll all benefit from being planted later, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see the Gardeners World programme that they were talking about. So I don't know which exact bulbs they were talking about, but certainly your early spring bulbs, your, your crocus, your snowdrops, get them in. Uh, iris, your Dutch iris, anything like that, you can certainly start getting them in now. And what we've often spoken about, Chris, you and I, is the idea of staggering the planting. Mm. So if you plant a few now, and if you keep planting a few every week or every fortnight till, till the end of October, well, then you'll have a big, glorious display next spring over a staggered period of time as well. Which is lovely. And you just get it for that one year that they're planted. Yes, yeah. the staggered effect, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Peter, query on nettles, please. I have a flower bed near a very sheltered wall and any time I put anything in, the nettles seem to take over. What time of year can I spray or dig out the nettles and what should I be using? Well, I would only go with the digging out. I would go with a, a shovel and a good, strong pair of gloves because the, the only problem with nettles, of course, is that they're sting. Mm. Now, their root, their root system, they will come out quite easily. You will get the, a clump of nettles out quite easily, but their root system is quite elastic. So I don't think that, uh, unless you're very lucky or very, very diligent, I don't think if you go at it once with the, with the shovel and gloves, you'll eradicate every single met- nettle. They more will come. But it's not, they're not half as much a problem as the dreaded knotweed or even bindweed or anything like that. They will come out maybe in the second year or whatever's left. You'll, you'll see them quite obviously and dig them out then. Um, I would say that you, you could go at them now. Why not? No time like the present, as the fellow says, but just cut them back first to be my advice so that there's less up there to start stinging at your arms or your torso or even your face. So cut them back quite hard and then go at them with a shovel. Uh, and I'm afraid, yeah, no matter what you plant in there, the you know, the nettles aren't going to magically disappear. You're going to have to need to get rid of them first. And they're a horrible... It's, it's one of those things we all remember from our childhood. They're a horrible sting. Oh, the sting is... They yeah. really are. They really are. But, 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 as a, as a plant of value, yeah. they're a very, very valuable plant. Yeah. They're, they're valuable for an awful lot of the butterflies that we, we will be enjoying over the next couple of months. Uh, their larvae and their caterpillar feed on, on, on the nettles and they lay their eggs on nettles. Uh, so they're a very valuable plant from the biodiversity point of view. They are good for the pollinators as well. So and yeah, they have health benefits. Having. If you talk to any herbalist, they've got health benefits uh, as well. Did you ever, did you ever taste nettle juice, Trish? 
No, is it awful? I'm sure it's very, very good for you. Oh, is it? <laughs> but, ah, it's ah. but it is, they do have very strong... And then also, of course, the nettles make a very good fertilizer and a compost accelerator. So there's loads of benefits to nettles, but uh, in the hedgerow... But, yeah, uh, the but, but, yeah. In, but in uh, this lady's flower bed is the last place no, exactly. uh, you want them. Now, Mary in Ballingiri uh, is looking for advice on how to use seaweed. She put seaweed on her rhubarb and it burnt it to the ground. Now, she admits she got a bucket of seaweed, put it all on the rhubarb and it burnt so she said, I've yes. obviously done something wrong. How do you put seaweed on or use seaweed? It was very simple, but the seaweed the seaweed didn't burn, well, I suspect the seaweed didn't burn the rhubarb, but it was the salt content, the salt that came with it. So what I would say is collect seaweed. And we, ha- we had a caller who knew what they were talking about, because I was always a bit dubious, wasn't I, about whether or not yeah. you're actually allowed to go and take seaweed. And, but we got, we got a, a, def- a definitive answer. answer. You are allowed. Yeah, you are allowed, provided it's on the coast, it's yeah. on the sea, it's on the strand. So you're yeah. not allowed to take it from the water, but you're cut it off rocks, but you're allowed to take it from the, from the strand. So anyway, um, what I do is, what I would do, and what I would recommend you do, get a couple of wheelbarrows, a couple of buckets full, uh, and if you have somewhere that you can just stand it out, just lay it out and let the rain wash it, uh, and let it even just for a few weeks to to wash the salt content out, uh, so it's still relatively fresh. Even if you leave, you can leave it for as much as twelve months, it'll still have the the nutrient benefit. Uh, but but leave it, or leave it get washed out. Either do it with a hose or let nature do it, uh, and let it wash out the salt content. And I think that's what burnt the rhubarb, not the actual seaweed itself. Yeah, because we had that problem when we were putting uh, advising people to put salt down on footpaths. Yes, in, very in, much so. And when the salt went into the side of the grass, it burnt all the side of the grass. Yes, uh, in the winter months, so you, you've, you've got to be careful of that. Ger in Ballinhasig, uh, Robin hedging, uh, which is lovely and red at the moment, but he needs to cut it back. When is the best time? Well, it's, it's, it's a hedge that I love. It's the red robin, Fortinia red robin, and a well maintained or well trimmed red robin. I'm actually I'm in Waterford at the moment, Chris. I'm up in County Waterford. I'm looking at a red robin hedge right in front of me, and it looks spectacular because it has been well maintained. But a poorly maintained one looks desperate. So he's right to be asking the question. Looks lovely and red at the moment, but how do I keep it that way? Uh, so I would say trim it back in September. Wait till the, the, the middle of September, the end of September. Trim it back then and then cut it back harder in the middle of February, uh, just before the new growth starts. And that will keep all the new growth right down where you want it and keep it good and bushy. And, and of course, pruning it will encourage more red growth. So that's what you want. And it sounds glorious at the moment when he says it's lovely and red. Uh, Kathleen in Drumahan. The purple fox, she has purple fox gloves, but she also has pink and white fox gloves. She's wondering what she can do to preserve preserve them. What can I put around the stems to identify the white ones as they grow in between the pink foxgloves? They're growing wild, but it would be a shame not to look after them. So it's obviously the bulbs, is it she wants to dig out? I, I'm not sure exactly. No. What, what would often come there is people wanting to identify it's very obviously very obviously it's easy to see the different varieties when they're in full flower, but of course mm. when the flowers are gone in the, in the late autumn uh, you just have the leaves, so you're, you're trying to identify which is which, and that's impossible. So I, I'm, I'm guessing she's just trying to to keep a track on what colour is what, okay. uh, or, or perhaps maybe that area is going to be weed killed or something later on, and she wants to keep the, the fox dove. Um, now the thing is, the wild fox dove, which is Digitalis purpurea, is the purple one, and the hybridised and the other varieties, like your albas, and there's one fringua, and all those those different. Uh, different coloured forms of apricot shades, you have palms, choice, you have a lot of these are man-made cultivars. Um, and the seeds from these will not come true from type. So in other words, if you have palms, choice growing with the beautiful white one with a kind of purple throat, it's a really lovely plant. 
but it, the seed of it won't come with that colour. The seed of it will come purple. It'll come the common species. Uh, so my advice is not to not to get too caught up in it, not to get too head up about it, and let nature do what it's going to do. And some of the the, the cultivated forms are perennial. Okay. They come back on in their own year after year, even though their offspring won't. Uh, but some of them are biennial. So even if you do go to the effort of identifying what clump is what now, once they flower, they're going to die off anyway. So I, would, I wouldn't get too caught up uh, on trying to isolate particular colours because it's, nature is going to do what nature wants it to do here anyway, and nothing really that you can do is going to help. So most new seedlings will come back as the common purple form. If you want to bulk up on perennial forms um, of white forms or apricot perennial varieties, the best thing to do is to divide them, lift them and divide the clumps during the winter when they've got to a big enough stage. But then, as I say, some of them are biennial, but they're going to die off anyway. And, and it, I love that. I mean, they are wildflower. I love to see them growing on the side of the road. They are magnificent. Oh, my God, you get a burst of colour and they just it looks fabulous. It looks it, it, it really And does, it's, it's yeah. nice that Kathleen is trying to look after them, even though they're wildflowers. So, just, so well just done. Driving, just driving through. I do a lot of travelling around the country, Trish, as you know, and, and a lot of your listeners, obviously, they everyone, of course, we're all just driving all the time, but we have to just stop and admire the hedgerows yeah. at the moment. I mean, they're one of our natural resources that we, that we just fly by every day and they're so important for biodiversity and for wildlife and for everything. Uh, but apart from that, apart from their important message, I just think, as you just said there, you stop and look at a hedgerow yeah. full of, of purple loose trife, uh, foxgloves, oxeye daisies, uh, honey. So they are just gorgeous. Just stop and look at them and admire them at the moment. I love all the wild daisies, the big, tall yeah, wild daisies. They oh, they're magnificent. They really are magnificent. OK, caller from the Skibbereen area. Hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Peter, uh, please, regarding Serfinias? Serfinias? Plants yep. all perfect up to two weeks ago. The leaves have gone dead. Is it wind damage or could it be a blight thing? Says Mr. Mm. Skibbereen. Difficult one to, to, without seeing it. Now, that's a difficult one to answer without seeing it for sure. Uh, the Serfinias, Tracia, the trailing petunias, you know the petunias that you'd have in your hanging baskets or window boxes, again, the, yeah. as I call it, the Clonacilty look. Clonacilty yeah. is just full of Serfinias uh, and stunning. As to why they just died off where they were doing fine, it could be several things. It could be an environmental factor, which is the first question we had on today's piece. Maybe they dried out. So it is possible if they dried out for a few days, that will have done it. And that's the way you're describing it. That's exactly what they'd look like. It, it could be some kind of a fungal or bacterial infection has got into them. Absolutely impossible to say that with any degree of certainty without seeing them. Um, if they're in containers which were waterlogging and holding too much water, um, then they would, that is, very possible a fungal infection got in through the stagnant water and, and killed them. They drowned, if you like. Uh, but equally, the symptoms are the same with the opposite when they dried out. So send a picture into, into yourselves or into myself on Facebook, the Irish Gardener. I'll have a look at it for you. Uh, there's 12,000 followers of my page and they're, they're always happy to offer advice and solutions. So you'll always get a, a good suggestion there. But I couldn't say for definite without seeing it, certainly. OK. And Mary and Bandon, hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Peter, why are all my palm trees going brown? but the root is perfect. Again, without, pardon the pun now, without hedging the question, <laughs> it is difficult to say because it does depend on several things. On number one, what conifer they are. Uh, number two, how brown they're going, if you like. In other words, if it's just random ones around the place are going brown, well, that does ring alarm bells. Uh, but it's quite common at the same time where you'd have a mature conifer hedge and suddenly you just see every so often a random one dying off, and that is often caused by a problem called Phytophthora, uh, which is a nightmare. It could be honey fungus as well, it's, but it's one of the serious ones normally when you see that. 
again send in a photograph and we'll have a look at it. If it's a more general browning where all of them are going a bit brown, again, that could be an environmental factor. Maybe they got a spray of weed killer, maybe mm. they did get something or over a bit of fertilizer, blew onto them and burnt them or scorched them. Maybe they were cut back a bit too hard. Maybe they were cut back a bit at the wrong time of the year. There are several things that could be causing that general browning. Uh, it's unlikely to be to be something like wind because if they're if they're matured if they've been growing in the same area for many many years and they would have had the similar winds for many years so it's unlikely to be that but it could be something like fertilizer sprayed onto it or weed killer sprayed onto it uh, or they were cut back too hard if it's a more general if it's a random isolated plant dying here and there that's something more serious I'm afraid Okay so what are you up to anything special this week? I'm uh, just just finished now with a, f- a few days uh, a few days travelling with, with the kids to start the summer holidays as they finish school so uh, I'm back nose back to the grindstone now from tomorrow morning and uh, there, there'll be no time for, for resting now for the next couple of no, weeks No, and the advice to everyone is just get out and start enjoying this is the time to really enjoy the gardens isn't it? Really so I just you know what that's what I always say summer we're all running at full tilt we're rushing and running but so is the garden and it's the kind of for me it's the focus of the gardening year sit out if it, and don't feel bad for doing nothing just take a day off <laughs> sit out and enjoy the garden it's all doing its thing at the moment that's a good piece of advice alright listen have a great week and we'll talk to you again uh, next Wednesday and you thanks, thanks for that that is uh, Peter Dowdle of the Irish Gardener dot com Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.